There's a hostage situation on Alcatraz. A battery of VX gas rockets is deployed in the San Francisco Bay Area. On June 7th. I have a unique knowledge of this prison. I was formerly a guest here. Get ready. I'm just a biochemist. That's why you're coming with us. To rock fire. From Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, the producers of Top Gun and Crimson Tide. Sean Connery, Nicholas Cage, Ed Harris. The Rock, directed by Michael Bay, rated R. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. I'm only borrowing your Humvee. You've said that line a lot of times in our lifetime. And finally, we are watching the movie it is from, due to our summer of... Brockheimer. Brockheimer. So we're going through many of the big Jerry Brockheimer produced movies of the 80s and 90s. Go back and listen to previous episodes on Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun. You can even go back deeper in the archives and listen to Bad Boys and Days of Thunder. They weren't technically part of this summer of Brockheimer, but now they are. Mm-hmm. Now they are. Bring them on back. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. That's all I had to say. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm just looking at you. Why? I don't know. That's what we do. You're talking. I'm listening with making eye contact. Well, I stopped. I thought you were going to do the more of the introduction stuff. What What is the other introduction stuff? Oh. So, <laughs> we're going to talk about movies. Yeah. Specifically, The Rock. Yes. Before we talk about The Rock, we're going to talk about what we've been watching recently. You have a list of stuff, as you do. As I tend to do. Tend and to have. And one thing I see that's missing on from your list is a movie we watched. I think you were in the room for most of it. Oh, yeah. And that we might do as a podcast episode Well, or no? I think now Too I think much the time ship has passed. sailed on that. But we could talk about it. Yeah, so um, the other day. The other day. On Disney+. Plus, Yes. The kids and I turned on a Freaky Friday from 2000. Two three, or three or something like that. 2002. Yeah, with like Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis. The remake. The other one is on there. But I feel like when Disney Plus launched Freaky Friday, the newer one was not on the platform. It must have been streaming somewhere else. So, But now it is on there. I don't know when it got added. Yep. And my thoughts are that it's still a great movie. Well, I did watch the whole thing with you guys. <laughs> I would say that Jamie Lee Curtis is uh, great in it. She is. She's a gem. I, I do think people tend to discount how good Lindsay Lohan is in at least a few movies. She had a good run. This mm-hmm. is one of them. She's very good in this. Um, yeah, because she has, I mean, Freaky Friday, she switches bodies with her yeah. mom. Yeah. So then she has to act like a Jamie Lee Curtis character. Yeah, it's good. And I think she does a really good job. Now, have you seen the Jodie Foster one, the old one? You know what's funny is I I saw a lot um, of parent trap. Parent Trap. Parent Trap. Yep. Which we also recently kind of Which watched. Which we also, yeah. re- not kind of, we recently the, watched it. That Lindsay Lohan one. Um, and so I watched that old one a lot, but I did not watch, which I feel like pairs with so the So you Freaky watched Friday. the old Haley Mills yeah. Parent Trap. Yeah. Okay. Watched that a lot, but did not watch Freaky Friday with Jodie Foster. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, okay. It's on there, but we didn't watch that because I'm sure our kids would be like, it's on. This is old timey. They stuck with the Parent Trap, though, pretty well last time. Yeah, they liked it. That's the newer one. Yeah. No, uh, the old one. Oh, they did. Oh, the old one. They did. We huh? watched the old one. I didn't watch the old. I didn't sit with him on that part. How did the, you? Didn't we? I don't know. Sometimes you watch these movies when I'm working on the weekends a little bit. So I lied. It was the Lindsay Lohan one we watched. Oh my god, yeah. I'm so ridiculous. But you've seen the Haley. I've seen one. it so much that in my yeah. mind, yep, it's just sitting there. Gotcha. Like, there. Anyway. Yeah. No, the new Freaky Friday is. I mean, it's very 2000s. Like she's in a band, and the band is like not great. Although the song at the end isn't 
terrible, I suppose, that they play. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this weird business with, like, it all being set off by, like, a fortune cookie, which I think is probably not the way they would do it now. a Chinese restaurant with a whole, like, Chinese thing, and that feels a little problematic. Yeah. A little, like... I don't think it... It's not... It's it's not... Um, There's no poor intentions, but it's not great. Yeah, it's not making fun of... No, the, I wouldn't say it is. It's just, yeah. you know, it's a little bit weird. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so we watched that. Yeah, it's all right. I Good thing we didn't do a whole episode on it because I don't know if I had no. Ever. I can keep. So that's why I say the it. ship is ship is sailed okay. for me. So you've watched a couple other things like on HBO Max. Okay, yeah. So I've been watching a little bit of these uh, newly dropped uh, streaming titles, and so the the best one I think I watched was No Sudden Move, and this is Steven Soderbergh's new movie. Um, people know Soderbergh from Traffic, Aaron Brockovich, The Ocean's movies, uh, you know, all sorts of things, right? Um, it's really good. It's like a 1950s set noir kind of crime caper, but not at all like Oceans. Uh, Don Cheadle's the star with Benicio Del Toro, so he's kind of using some of his uh, go-to regulars here. Um, but then it's like stacked with other... I mean, it's loaded. It's got John Hamm. It's got Ray Liotta. It's got David Harbour from Stranger Things. It's got Karen Cole. It's loaded. It's loaded with people... Amy Simitz, who is of people recognize her in a bunch. She's actually really good in kind of a smaller part. Uh, Julia Fox, who's like a breakout of Uncut Gems. Yeah, it's uh, loaded with people, but at the heart of it is like... Uh, oh, and then there's one more person I'll talk about at the end, but um, Cheadle and Del Toro are kind of like low-level guys, and they get roped into this like setup um, that goes really bad. And then they kind of have to worm their way out of it, and there's lots of double crossings and uh, and different mob leagues going at each I other. I like this movie. It's good. It's really good. I really like, you know, Soderbergh is a director who, I mean, his last movie, which was also on HBO Max, was called, like, Let Them All Talk, and that was, like, Meryl Streep and Candace Bergen on a cruise ship, modern time. Mm-hmm. And then we go to, the, like, he just veers, and, it, and it's unlike, you know, like I said, it's a caper, but it's not like the ones he's done. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, I would have liked it. Yeah. Oh, and then the, the last person I'll say is that Brendan Fraser, who's not been in a movie in a long time, it mm-hmm. seems like, he's playing this, like, heavy, like, this this mobster guy who's actually quite menacing in it. It's pretty good. You're just like... Weird. I like Brendan... Listen, I like Brendan Fraser as yeah, an actor in general. Um, you know, but he doesn't play parts like that. He's no, usually he plays playing like a goofball. goofball. Yeah. yeah. So this Thanks. is actually pretty good. Uh, so I, I thought that was notable as well. So, yeah, no sudden move. It's, it's quite, quite good. Okay, cool. Then we hopped over to Peacock for a movie our kids were super-duper anticipating. And in anticipation of this movie, or just because, they just, they've yeah. chosen to watch full seasons over and over and over of The Boss Baby. So The Boss Baby was a 2017 movie, and then Netflix, as with a lot of DreamWork, DreamWorks movies, they made, like, a show that's called, like, Back in Business, where it basically undo, undoes the end of the movie to keep the, the story going. And then this movie, like, this is the weirdest franchise. <laughs> like, it's a weird setup to begin with. Like, babies are secretly, like, agents who are doing things, and... Oh, it's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um... But Our kids love it. They do. And then in this new one, it's like, it's a sequel that, like, doesn't ignore that TV show, but it's just like, we're going to set it decades later where all our main characters are adults, and then we're going to, then there'll be a circumstance in which they're going to get potioned back to being little babies again or mm-hmm. little kids. And so that was, 
it's bizarre. The whole thing is very weird. <laughs> yeah, but like our kids are in it. They love it. They do love it. I I enjoyed the second movie. It's there was a moment where I was like, oh, I want to watch that. So we waited till like I was off work to watch it, and then right before I was like, oh, I don't know, if I want to watch this, but we did. It was good. I thought it was good. It was fine. I don't know. It's it wasn't okay. terrible. It was fine. It wasn't, I didn't hate it, but it was just like... I mean, like... I've sat down and watched several episodes of the Boss Baby show, so, I mean, it's better What's than... weird is, yeah, it's Alec Baldwin is the Boss Baby in the first movie, and then on the TV show, he's he sits that out, obviously. But then he comes back for this, but then, like, I don't know, like... Now, I did miss a little a couple minutes of it, but it definitely felt like it was not... It was less about him, and it, he didn't really have that memorable a part to me. It was, like, more Jeff Goldblum as the villain was better... Amos Sedaris is like this other baby. James Marsden, who was not on the first one, he like replaced Toby Maguire, and so I'm curious why they didn't use him. Toby Maguire's not really doing anything. Like he's not acting much. Like it's he's just voice not doing acting. Anything. All he had to do is show up and record some stuff. I don't know. He's not doing anything. What can I tell you? I don't know. I don't get it because like also, you know how there's like like three Hotel Transylvania movies with Adam Sandler. Well, there's a fourth one coming out, right? And it's all the same characters, but Adam Sandler's not doing it. All the rest of the cast is doing it, but Adam Sandler's sitting it out. Like, Adam Sandler, who will go and, like, do make a vacation out shit. of a movie. Yeah. And he's, like, not going to do the voice for the fourth Hotel Transylvania? Like, that's so weird to me. Like, what? what this is, is where you draw the line? <laughs> this. This is where you're like, no, I will not. Hubie Halloween, Yes. Uh, Hotel Transylvania 4? No. Of which I've already done three, and everyone else is back. Uh, there Maybe dick. there's a reason why. I don't know, but I find that odd. It's a dick move. <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. Like, why? Fucking weird. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know. I have nothing to say about Boss Baby. It's called Boss Baby, what? Family, family business? business. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. It's fine. Kids, are, kids liked it. Okay. Then on Netflix, you turned on America, the motion picture. An animated film, but not for kids. Not... Um, I was kind of excited about this when it was announced and the trailer came out because it's from like the folks who made Archer mm -hmm. and like the Lord and Miller guys from Spider-Verse and Lego Movie are involved, although I think they're just like producing. Um, it's got like Channing Tatum kind of continuing this, uh, I don't know, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, like comedy streak. Um, yeah, and it starts strong. It's hyper violent. It's like this, like obviously this made up history business because it starts off with like George Washington and Abe Lincoln being best bros, mm -hmm. like their best friends. Will Forte, MacGruber himself is Abe Lincoln, but he's not really in the movie. He gets um, dispatched. Yeah, so um, got a good cast. Like Andy Samberg is Benedict Arnold. You've got Simon Pegg, Jason Manzukis is like Sam Adams, Judy Greer. I mean, it's loaded, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, it was pretty fun for about 15 minutes, and then it just, every scene just kind of started to crack a little bit, and it was just uh -huh. got less and less funny. I think you bailed on it after an hour. I did. I would have liked this as maybe, like, a mini-series of, like, three episodes. Yeah, I, and I think it really cracked. Like, it, it's, it's out of juice by an hour mark, and it's got another half hour, and by the time you get to this big battle sequence, you're just kind of like, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just doing, like goofy sh I don't know whatever mm -hmm. it was it, it was a the I couldn't stick with it it was overall kind of a disappointment it's like there's funny pits in it but it was not didn't didn't sustain that yeah. tone throughout the whole thing so that's okay um I watched a couple other Netflix things oh I watched uh it was a really hot uh like maybe 110 degrees here mm -hmm. one day 
So uh, I'll tell you what, Netflix had the perfect movie for this, though. They had The Ice Road. The Ice Road. With Liam Neeson, because I wanted to think cold. I wanted to be cold. <laughs> so I wanted weird. to be chilly. Oh, my God. Okay. And Liam Neeson uh, is driving on an ice road. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Was it like the reality show? I don't know. I've never seen that reality show. It's about how dangerous the roads are, but he's got to go. He's part of a crew. They, there's a mine that's clapped in nor- uh, collapsed in northern Canada, and so Liam Neeson and a couple other folks have got to get these uh, things up there because they can't fly. I don't know. There was some like one line about why they couldn't fly up there or take a train or whatever, so they got to drive. Doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it's Liam Neeson. Uh, he's got a brother, it, and then of course, you know, as because it's a Liam Neeson movie, there's like a double cross. There's a bad guy kind of that's messing shit up. Um, so yeah. He gets to do his Liam Neeson fighting a little bit, but it's a lot of um, uh, tires getting stuck in some snow or ice, and then like some a lot of pushing, mm-hmm. and then like a repeat. So like, but uh, you know, it was okay. I mean, it, it was probably a little like it needed to be like eighty minutes, mm-hmm. and it was like a hundred and ten. Yikes! You know what I mean? Uh, but you know, I was it was hot that day, and it's all snowy, and mm-hmm. a couple of people fall into some ice, and you're like, oh, they look cold. I'm feeling cold, and so that felt good. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. That's all I'll say. It's fine. Okay. And then one more I watched on Netflix was Good on Paper. Mm-hmm. This is a mostly true story. I think it's advertised that way. It's the comedian Eliza Schlesinger, who was like, I think you and I remember her from like winning Last Comic Standing way back when, and she's got a ton of Netflix specials and stuff now. Um, so this is a, it's a, she's not playing herself. She's playing a comedian with a very similar career as her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Margaret Cho is in the movie as like her friend, as like a bartender. Her part is not, it wasn't like Margaret Cho that was part of this story for real. She's just acting in the movie. Um, but anyway, she is this comedian. She meets this guy in a plane who she's not into, but he's kind of like friendly and they get along and, they a relationship eventually builds but like he's not exactly who he says he is mm-hmm. and that's kind of the story and it's based on he this looks good on paper true story yeah and you know i don't it's weird that title is not great uh-huh. oddly i think it's good to like for marketing but it doesn't actually fit like the because that's not the case like she's not attracted to him at first and she's like it's not good on paper for her. I don't know. It was like a weird, like, I guess good on paper in that he's like, he's gone to he Yale. He checks all the typical boxes. The typical, but not for her. And like, mm-hmm. she makes a point of, and that's why it's a little bit like this weird dynamic. Anyway, I thought that it was amusing in spots, never really hilarious. And then also, I, Ryan Hansen is the actor who plays the guy. And he's mm-hmm. from like Veronica Mars and stuff like that, I guess just a show i haven't really watched sorry um yeah i know you've watched it um he's i don't it's he's miscast i just i don't like that performance and i think it really kind of bogs the whole movie down like over and over and over again there's not one bit of him that i find convincing as someone who is not an idiot that wouldn't see through like it's just it's too pitched in a certain way it just gives the whole thing away too fast and i don't I don't know. And then it, it, the, the only thing that's not true about the story is like the last 15 minutes and those 15 minutes are kind of dumb. Oh, okay. So, um, kind of interesting. It's kind of more interesting to listen to her like do interviews talking about it oh. than it is watching the movie. She's actually pretty good in the movie. Like it's not a stretch for a performance wise just because she's playing a comedian, but I, you know, she's good and Margaret Cho is, is funny. So nice. it's okay. I think I'd watch it. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it, it's watchable. You might not have as much of a bad reaction to the yeah. dude, especially since you know him from stuff. I guess. 
you started playing the trailer, and I was like, turn it off. I think I'd want to watch this. Yeah. After you'd already watched it. Yeah. So you wanted to tell me about it. Because you're watching shows, man. Well, you watched uh, the probably one of the bigger hit shows on Netflix, didn't you? Well, you know Netflix, right? Their shows only are hits for two weeks. I don't... I don't they canceled a bunch of shows recently. It's ridiculous. I don't know. Like, it would be hard to be a show creator and put all your heart and soul into something. And then, yeah, it's popular, but people just crush through it in two weeks and then nobody thinks about it again ever. Yeah, they. we don't know. Like, it's weird because they don't release numbers. And so you don't know. And what it, it seems to be that the way that shows get renewed on Netflix is not always just it either has to be massive bump at the front like Queen's Gambit. Mm hmm. Or, or it, it has, has to, to be solid and stay. Like, so yeah. those people that saw it have to give word of mouth, and that revol- results in those people watching it. And if that chain doesn't go to a certain number, they're just like, no, we're done with it. Yeah. So it's hard to get, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't watch the shows very much, because I just like, I know that, like, they're going to give me something that it, it's unlikely to get be invested in. Yeah. You know? I prefer to watch shows that have a solid five seasons and then they're done. And now I'll start it because now I know, okay, I'm going to get some, like, a good run. Yeah. Correct. You know, so I watched Sweet Tooth mm-hmm. on Netflix, which, you know, is about a, 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 post-pandemic virus world where, Mm -hmm. like, people aren't... All their babies are, like, these halflings where they're, like, half animal and half baby. They're, like, these hybrids. And then there's a virus that killed a bunch of people. Got it. And so there's this kid who's special, and he's trying to find his parents and stuff. He's special how? He was, like, the first hybrid... He doesn't know that. He finds that out towards the end. He's got like ears. He's got deer, deer ears antlers, deer okay. antlers, and he can talk. And not all the hybrids can talk. There's a handful that can. It was good. I liked it. I watched it. Will Forte was in it, which is very reminiscent of uh, Last Man on Earth. Oh yeah, because he was the star of Last Man on yeah. Earth. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's not going to last long in this show. No, because he has to film the MacGruber television series, which is happening right now. And we need to keep him his busy his schedule clear so we can finish that That's and right. make a hundred episodes of the MacGruber television show. Yeah, thank you. That's right. I enjoyed it. I think people who like shows that I like would like it. Okay. It uh, did not end in even like a possible resolution. Like it ends with like a like a bunch of terrible things happening and all the characters like caught or dead or surviving like not even like a well if this doesn't get renewed it's okay because it was a good season run it was like a here's a major cliffhanger with no resolution whatsoever Man, that's which wild. i think is risky to do but it's a netflix original yeah but i mean but they, they just... don't they don't renew their own netflix original I mean, what they've... does it even mean netflix original they've got people like big showrunners under contract for massive amounts of money and they don't like they the deals they have must not really like it doesn't matter whether the show works or not they just have them for a certain number of years or something or a certain number of projects and so they're just like yeah it's fine i mean they even had like i didn't watch it and i don't know why it was made because it was like it's like a this they've made a few sitcoms one with like kevin james one with jamie fox and it does that seems odd for a format on Netflix anyway. Yeah. I mean the only thing that really hit like that was Fuller House, which had this built in nostalgia factor. But like they have no problem. Like Jamie like they got a big star in Jamie Foxx, mm-hmm. Oscar winner star, and they're just like, Yeah, we don't care if we cancel a show after a year. Like there's like no like I mean, yeah, I don't know. It didn't look like a good show. I don't know if it was. It yeah. doesn't seem like it. But at the same time, like they're just like, ah, we don't care if Jamie Foxx when sticks you around see, for like, this. A lot of shows got canceled. I feel like I need to go look to see which of the ones I liked. I could. Yeah, stop there's been a lot. Well, to. one was I. I turned out I forgot was HBO, which was Lovecraft Country, which we haven't watched. But they canceled that too. They did because I've been people putting like that, that show. off because yeah. I was like, well, it's good. Yeah, they didn't start it. So ah, what about like uh, the the. Uh, the fairy one. 
the fairy one? Yeah, the twin. The uh... oh, I don't know. They haven't heard. They won't even like announce if the Jurassic World cartoon is renewed for another season. And like that's brand IP. You that... need to know people. And obviously that one, like, gonna at least give you one more before that whatever movie comes out. Like, come on, like they never announce anything. That's frustrating. Fucking annoying. Yeah, it is. It makes it hard to commit. Yep, I know. So then I watch these shows. I just I'm getting mad at watching these single single season shows. That's why I just stick with the movies. They give you ninety movies. I mean, there was like those are five that came out within like a week of each other, and there's like five more that I still haven't watched across the platforms that like were actually like realish looking movies. I don't know if they will be, but uh. what I will tell you is the Sweet Tooth. It it looks good. So there's like he it starts in Yosemite Park. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they were shooting on on scene. Like, there's these gorgeous shots that... I like it when, like, the cinematography yeah. in a TV show, like, looks good. And then, you know, I think, obviously, I like it when they tell me, like, with Mayor of Easttown, it's like, it's a miniseries. One season. That's it. We're not going to do anymore. Watchmen. It's one season. I like a good season. Of course, arc. you know, the demand is like, we should make Mayor Season 2. Like, but, like, don't. But, like, maybe don't. Just don't. It's good. Like, maybe just leave it alone. Let it stand and be its own thing. Yep. Okay. All right. right. So the things we watched were a lot. Freaky Friday. Go watch it if you haven't. Still fun. Kids love... I mean, what a fun movie for kids to fantasize about, right? Talk about wish fulfillment. Like, ooh, I wonder what it's like to be mom. Like, Yeah. I agree. Yep. What we've been watching else. uh, Snow Sudden Move. You recommend on HBO Max. Boss Baby, whatever. America, the motion picture. Yeah. The Ice Road. Yeah, it was fine. Good on if it's paper. hot out. If it's, hot, if it's hot out, turn on the Ice Road. It'll cool you right, right on off. So from that, your list, I want to watch No Sudden Move and Good on Paper. Yeah. No Sudden Move's good. It's good. It's good? It's good. I'll just tell myself it's a TV show so that I'll start it. There's something about like watching a movie by myself that I won't necessarily do. Yeah, and that thing, like, I don't know, it changes modes, like... It almost kind of is, because, like, it, every time something changes, it's like, oh, this is a whole different little thing now for a little bit. So, good cast, too. Man, it's a good cast. I didn't even mention everybody. Didn't even mention everybody in that movie. It's crazy. Yep. All right. Well, today we are talking about The Rock. It's our summer of Brockheimer. This is really, um, I don't know. I feel like this is, obviously, he had big hits, but this was, this started a streak, especially with, uh, you know, kind of the... This was the Michael Bay explosion too, mm-hmm. right? The Michael Bay's, you know, I know Bad Boys hit, but this was uh, this was a big adult, uh, crowd pleasing, well, generally well reviewed movie. People that hate Michael Bay will even say that they like The Rock. I'm kind of one of those people that doesn't really like Michael Bay, and I say, you know, The Rock's his best movie. So there you go. Let's talk about it. Okay. High stats. All right, The Rock came out on June 7th, 1996. Was June 7th an important date? June 7th? June 7th. I don't know. This is the summer of uh, Independence Day, though. It would come out a few weeks later. Um, Okay, 1996. It clocks in at 136 minutes. Its budget was... 80 million? You looked at this. 75 million. No, I didn't, but that's a good guess. The box office was 335 million. Worldwide, yeah. That's a good number for, for this kind of movie. And this is the key. I mean, um, it's R, it's an R-rated uh, action movie. Summer blockbuster. I mean, you just... Uh, yes, we have... I know that John Wick exists, and they make money, 
But, like, even John Wick had to, like, build up to, like, the number three where it was actually, like, blockbuster summer status. Had to get the three movies before it was that. Mm-hmm. Here's, they're just like, here's $75 million, let's go make, and in 90, 1996 money, R-rated, mm-hmm. bunch of violence, bunch of swear words, let's go. Oh, like, not, like, sex appeal Oh, I guess Sean Connery is kind of... I mean, yeah, but, you know, not, like, young sex appeal uh, actors. That's true, and there wasn't, like, a, any women with their boobies out. Oh, there's, like, no women in this movie altogether, but... This is true. <laughs> there are... There are no women in this movie. There's two, but they are... They don't have much to do. They... No. <laughs> They're not in this movie. They're no. like, extras. A couple scenes each, yeah. They're extras with speaking lines. Yeah, yeah. Well, pretty much, yeah. So, uh, uh, stars? Sean Connery. Yes. Nicolas Cage. Ed Harris. Yeah. John Spencer. David Morse. William Forsyth. Should I keep going? Oh, those ones I wrote down for you. I did that off the top of my head. What? I did those names. Did you listen to them? Oh, you're listening. I'm not even looking at the I notes. gave you a document and I listed a bunch of people off the top of my head. Oh, look at you. You did. Yeah, I know. Oh, it, it stars... Okay, so Nick Cage's uh, girlfriend, fiance, That was the only one I had to look up. Um, is in the movie, and when I saw her, I was like, God, she looks familiar. Where do I recognize her from? Don't you hate that? And, uh... I've only ever seen her in this movie. You were like, I, she's, I recognize her from this movie. That's the only and movie I've like, ever seen Fuck. her in. And I love just being able to look stuff up, but she... Her name's Vanessa Marcel, and she plays... Brenda on General Hospital, and she's been on that show for like uh, like over twenty years. She was, yeah, same actress. Nineteen ninety six to like two thousand. How many episodes were listed for her on that? I'm just curious. A Did they lot. list that many on like, shows like my that? My mom and I watched so many. Oh yeah, they'll, they'll list your episodes. Wow. We mom would like tape it on VHS. Mm-hmm. So there are a handful of actors that I know real well, and she played the same character, which is rare because like was she still on the show when she did this movie? Well. 198 when did this come out 96 i mean yeah she was on the show from 96 to 2015 oh oh wow okay so maybe she got general oh, ni- Hosp- 92 to 2015 oh, okay so she did this movie and then like nothing 376 really... episodes not... how many did they shoot in a year though she probably did more earlier and then like less and less as Reappeared. time went on cuz i don't know how many they shoot every year or every year cuz they are they're on every freaking day so that doesn't seem like that many to me 376 episodes no not when it's well i mean just because there's like a, they make it seems like it's on every day of the week mm-hmm. <laughs> every day of the week all year long so i don't know how many they shoot in a year anyway a lot brenda from brenda. general hospital this has got i mean literally everybody in this movie is like yeah that guy or because it's just like one after another yep. um john spencer being a, a big one obviously he was leo mcgarry on the west wing R.I.P. William Forsythe is in a bunch of movies. Uh, t- still, David Morse. This was like in the middle of the David Morse like supporting character mania yeah. period. John McGinley, the janitor. From oh yeah, I didn't even Scrubs. write that one down. Janitor from well, not the he's not the janitor. That's Neil Flynn. The he's oh the, yeah, not the janitor. The doctor, lead surgeon guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. John McGinley also you know Point Break obviously. Um, yeah, and then even in like the smaller parts, you got Steve Harris who would go on to do the practice, who's just kind of like one of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. You've got Bokeem Woodbine, who was very young, who would go on to do lots of stuff. Tony Todd is in here, in here is kind of like the ultimate dick bad guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Claire Forlani is playing Connery's daughter before she was kind of in a bunch of movies right after this. So yeah, you pretty much listed them all. It's nice. loaded. It is loaded. Loaded man. Big 
cast of people. Michael Bean, we didn't even mention. He, of course, gets killed, like every every Michael Bean Aww. character. Um, yeah. So those are our high stats. Yeah. Now, before we watch the movie, we have a little thing we call, What Do You Remember? Correct. And I just, like, said what I remembered to Tyler, and I wrote it down as I was writing it. Because I like to cheat sometimes so that I don't look like a total idiot. You didn't today. I didn't. Yes, yeah, this, is, this is messy. Here's what I remember about The Rock. I'd seen it. Like, I, I should have known and remembered more. So, I remember that there's a scene where they, like, uh, jump off a helicopter and they swim into Alcatraz. It's ten seconds of the movie, but yes. <laughs> I feel like it was very memorable to me. It stood out. I don't yeah. know why, but I was like... It's how they get there. It's, it's, it's very important. memorable. It's important. Okay. And then I was like, there's a terrorist who's threatened to do something from Alcatraz to bomb, bomb somebody somewhere. Or yeah. there's a criminal there they need to break out to either help stop a crime or something like that. So no. I, was, I was mixing stuff up because they did have to get Sean Connery out of prison. But they prison. don't break him out. They, they don't break him out. They just get him out. So yeah. I did have a memory of like Sean Connery being in prison and he get broken out. And the reason they're getting him is because he was the only person to ever escape Alcatraz. So, yes. Yeah. And then I was like, there's also a fancy car that somebody drives. We'll talk about that. <laughs> and uh, I said, this is all going to come back to me. So it, it was all like yeah. there on the on the edges of my memory. So I didn't write what I remember because the, the fact of the matter is I remember everything about this movie. You're like, I could rewrite this yeah. movie word for word. Uh, yeah, I was reciting really weird lines. Yes, during... you were. I was like, what the fuck, Tyler? Why? Uh, how Random. about how about catching the word the dialogue? Oh well, why not? Right, ten seconds before it came out onto the screen. Yeah, that was weird. It's <laughs> a I very weird line of dialogue. That's a weird thing to flex on, babe. Although I didn't remember the one line, which is maybe the most outrageous line of dialogue in the movie, which is like, "Whoa, marriage police, pull over!" Whoa. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Nicholas Cage just being Nicholas Cage. Anyway, what do you remember? I said Michael Bay never topped this wild, violent action featuring Nick Cage at the peak of his action hero powers, which is kind of funny because he's playing a non-action hero. Uh, Sean Connery at his peak of his Sean Connery-ness and a huge bunch of other actors. It goes on, uh, the names go on and on. This was a big repeat view for me in middle and high school, and those viewings coincided with my first visit to San Francisco and the real Alcatraz. This movie is over the top and ridiculous, but at least it's super watchable. Unlike many of Bay's subsequent Bayhem. Watch yourself, Tyler. I also, I wrote that I also owned this bumpin' Hans Zimmer score on compact disc. I like how you said compact disc. Yeah. Nobody called it that, though. No, but that's what they were. It is. Compact disc. And I had the score. Because I was like, yeah, that's bumpin' score. Because I was into this. You had this on VHS? Well, I got it. Um... No, it was... This is where it gets hazy for me, because it comes out in 1996. I don't remember when I went to San Francisco for the first time. I don't think it was that summer. Because, also, I would have been only 12, and this is a very inappropriate movie for a 12-year-old, in my opinion. Is it? Well, yeah. Like, think about how our daughter is 10, and we're only two years off from I mean, but a 90s 12-year-old. Oh, it's different? I don't know. It's yes, hyper-violent. It's, it's hyper-violent, a lot of language... I just don't feel like my parents have been like, yeah, let's take it to the rock. But it could have happened. <laughs> but, like, what's really violent? There's some people getting shot, some a faces melting off. There's a off. twitching leg, and the guy that gets hit with an air conditioner or whatever, and he's twitching. But you don't ever, you don't see his face. You see someone's face melt off. That's pretty intense. <laughs> you see two people's faces melt off. Yeah, that's person... pretty violent. There's no, like, rape or anything, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's your bar? It's like, that kid can watch as long as there's no rape in it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like when I was growing up, like, 
hyper-violence was definitely okay before, like, sexual stuff. The guy in the squad that's supposed to be watching <laughs> Connery gets, like, just we'll put, we'll shot between the eyes and dangles in front of Nick Cage for, like, I don't like, know. At 12 minute. and 13, weren't we also playing, like, Mortal Kombat? Yes. I don't... The point is, is that I don't think I saw it then, and I don't think that aligns with when I went to San Francisco. It might have been, like, when I was... 14, which feels like a little oh, bit... Oh, you're so much older and more mature. More mature. More mature when you're 14. But I was just... I remember... But that's the thing. It, what's weird is that I remember being... It couldn't have been that far because I remember when Armageddon came out, which was just two years later, and being like, I know the people who made this movie. I know Jerry Brockheimer. I know Michael Bay. Like, I knew all that. So, like, did I know that just from a previous year? I was, was maybe 13, maybe, when did I watched watch, this. Did you watch, like... TV versions where no. some of it was we had HBO out. and I think this was like watched on HBO. I didn't get. I don't think we had the tape or anything. And or, the DVD came out in like you definitely watched this two thousand. Yeah, probably. I don't know if I went to the theater though. I yeah, think my parents might have drawn the, the theater, line on but the you theater. probably watched it on HBO. So then I remember. Did you just say it was on HBO Max? Did I? It was, I think it was you an did. HBO Max back then. It's just HBO, <laughs> just regular That's old funny. HBO. Look how their corporate yes. workings have gotten Those on me now. Fuckers. They're like, haha, we got him. We got a hit on our hands now. Back in his memory, he won't even yeah. know it was HBO. Yeah, we'll see what happens when you stop putting the movies out day and date and see how many fucking subscribers you lose, guys. <laughs> Probably me. Probably me. Are we still paying? What did you just buy that we we're paying for still? Peacock? Oh, I don't. I always mean to cancel that. <laughs> we never. We, we watch Boss Baby. Watch anything on we watch it. Boss Baby. I know because they you, still have still ads. Have commercials. So why am I even fucking paying for it? I don't know. There's ads on there, and I for, like it used to be you could watch. I mean, I have The Office on DVD, but like. The office on there is like with ads in it. I'm like, fuck that. Parks and Rec. I got the Parks and Rec complete series cheap the other time, just recently because I didn't want to have to watch it on Peacock with ads. Yeah, yeah. I can cancel that shit. Oh no, we got the we had, we had to watch the Boss Baby. We didn't have to watch the Boss Baby. <laughs> we didn't have to. The kids wouldn't I, even known it existed if you hadn't told them. And then I added, they wouldn't have. <laughs> I added the Paramount Plus because it was dirt cheap for oh, yeah, two months. Oh yeah, that's what you just added. It was like ninety nine cents for two what months. Is Paramount Plus. That's that? CBS All Access. Oh now they changed God. it. But then they're going to be putting, like, the Quiet Place movie on there really soon. I don't need to watch that either. It's 99 cents. I saw cents. the Quiet I'm Place. I'm going to finish watching The Good Fight. What's 99 cents? It was 99 cents for two months of it. How many months are we in? It was. It's only, we only had it for, like, two weeks. It's fine. When does The Quiet Place come out? Next, like, two weeks from now. It'll be fine. It's How like, much will it be after that? Like nine ninety nine. Jesus, Tyler. <laughs> Got to turn it off at that point. So there's a site you can sign up for. Mm-hmm. I think it's called like do not pay dot com or something. I was looking at it. Yeah. For dealing with spam, and one of the things that you can do is you can sign up for. Um, they'll give you a credit card mm-hmm. number, and you can use that for all your trial offers, mm. and then they won't process any future payments after your trial is over. I like that. So it's a way that you can like sign up for trials and then not worry about canceling your subscription. I remember they essentially canceled the card. Last summer, I wanted to watch uh, that Tom Hanks movie and something else on Apple Plus or whatever, and I signed up for the seven day free trial. And then I watched those two things, and I, I because I was afraid, I canceled it when I had five days left <laughs> on the free trial. Yes. I'm like, I don't want to watch anything else on here. I'm just gonna cancel it. Yeah, I canceled it right then. Do that with the Paramount. Yeah. Well, so they keep we watch The Quiet Place. What else is coming out? Well, there? they keep promising they're going to put all their movies on there, but like the first one they put on there was that Infinite Horseshit movie. Oh, I didn't even talk. I could have talked about that too. That Mark Wahlberg movie. That's Ugh, terrible. You don't need to talk about that. Yeah. No. So I don't know. I'm going to watch The Good Fight. Got to finish that. I only watched one season of that. And that's the spinoff of The Good Wife, which is obviously good because it's part in the Good Wife universe. 
And everything associated with the good wife is good. I mean, yeah, you watched that a lot when Marion was very small eight years ago. She used to talk about Alicia and the good wife. Yeah. She, I, we have a video of her just during bath time. I was like, what did we watch today, Marion? And she's like, the good wife. And I'm like, who's in the good wife? She's like, Alicia. She's the good wife. <laughs> she's like two years old. She's not on the... I wonder if she'd recognize uh, Christine Baranski, though, because she's the lead of the... Although I heard that Delroy Lindo left the new season. That's a bummer. Part of the appeal. I got I, don't worry, I got like three seasons of watch before he leaves. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Okay, so back where we started, you watched The Rock on HBO probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I went to, I just remember when I first went to San Francisco, first time I had ever been there. Um, Why were you guys going there? Like a trip, a short trip. I don't know what. We were so fancy growing up. We're oh, just, whatever. We're just traveling to San Francisco. Oh, it's so far away. No, like, so it was my first, I was ex- very excited to do that. I wanted to go to Alcatraz and my knowledge of it was the movie The Rock. You're like, I know exactly what to expect. Yes. And my, I think also I was shared, I, my dad because he liked the Rock movie, Hell yeah. he was like, "Oh, I'm excited." Because I don't think I think he'd been there, but maybe there's I could be wrong about this memory. I don't think he. I think he claimed that he had never gone there, or had been years and years when he last had been there and he went to it. So we were both pretty excited. Uh, my mom, I don't think she cared one way or another, but she went. Um, and you know, like the exteriors are there, but then like. So I was really bummed mm-hmm. when you, you do the tour, right? And it was like an audio tour, like a lot of things are. So you listen. There's no tour guide. You, there's just like you put the earbuds in and oh. you hear shit. And then you walk by where they put the 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 the, the tour the tourists that they mm-hmm. they, they take the hostage mm-hmm. in all the sales. You that's a that's look. There's a place that kind of looks like that. It kind of looks like where more like where Nick Cage and Sean Connery end up later. Um, but my expectation was like, oh, they're going to lock us in this case. They're going to open and we're all going to go in and, and they're going to lock us all in. Yeah. They don't do that. Not a thing that they do. Now you do get to like walk into like a couple sample, uh, cells, but it's not the same. It's open. You're just walking with other people. So I was a little bit like, mm. and then I was like, where's the under area with all the mine carts and the, the, <laughs> the boiler, the flamethrowing boiler that Sean Connery has to roll through? Like just like the booby trapped Goonies cave under yes. the island. I want a part of that tour. It doesn't seem like there's any of that on there. Well, they're not going to show you. Also, apparently I just remember like, I like. I'm sure someone was like, "Oh no!" There was one guy that was like, ta- "There's like an exhibit about like potential escapes and stuff like that." And I feel like some guy was talking. Was like, "No, there was like people that it's like it's not like the movie The Rock." Like they're like right off the bat, like just saying like it's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there's maybe maybe was some actual maybe a couple of real attempts that were maybe successful. I can't. I'm remember. sure that like a good podcast producer would like look that yeah. up before the filming. That would have been good. Recording Had a you podcast. Look that up. Me? Fuck you. You look it up. You're the producer. I'm not producing the show. I'm line producing the show. <laughs> Did anyone ever escape from Alcatraz? Not named John Mason. <laughs> in real life. Mm. That's a good Google right there. That's good. That was good. Sharp. Detailed. Well, there is a History.com article about it. Perfect. In all, 36 men made a total of 14 escape attempts during Alcatraz's history. Of these, 23 were caught. Six were shot and killed during their escape. Mm. Jeez, that's kind of... Well, you can't try to escape jail. They, they do cold guns. It's not jail. It's Alcatraz. Prison. The Rock. What? How many people... 
Did you? That was in the Google preview. Oh, I had to, now I'm clicking the link. Is there a to paywall? The whole article. <laughs> is there a paywall? Let's see. A paywall, you can keep there. talking about what? How long was the rock uh, operating for? They say that in the movie. I think it might be true. Uh, I don't know. Pop quiz. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I have to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly 30 years, from 1934 to 1963. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, they reopened it briefly to house mutants. Smart. Uh And then, like, the Phoenix thing. God, that was a bad movie that ends on, that ends on Alcatraz as well. Can you name one of the famous, notorious felons that... Like the Birdman of Alcatraz? Yeah, it, the bird. Yeah, that was one. Yeah, I remember that. Also, Al Scarface Capone. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. There you go. Couple, couple big names there. Okay. In all, thirty-six men made a total of fourteen escape attempts. Mm-hmm. Of these, twenty-three were caught, six were shot and killed, and two drowned. The remaining five, including Morris and the Englands, who must be mentioned above, yep, <laughs> went missing and were presumed drowned. The prison closed in March 1963 after operations became too expensive to continue. So, they may have Morris. escaped. Wasn't that the name of the Sean Connery's character? John Mason is his name. Oh, Mason. Yeah. Okay. Could have been, and it, which also could be, it could be an alias because he was a, a, a British spy. So, um, yeah. No. Um, so, maybe oh, there's... Uh, so, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but is this... Uh, you you mm-hmm. interrupted me to go... Mm-hmm. God, you're <laughs> such a dick. Um, there's a real-life story behind the 1979 movie in Have You Seen This Escape from Alcatraz? Al- yeah. When, in which Clint Eastwood yeah. plays Frank Morris, who supposedly led an escape attempt from Alcatraz in June 1962. I have seen that movie probably around the time I was into The Rock <laughs> back in that time. Whoa, they, the, there's, like, Morris and then two brothers who were there removed, like, air ventilation units in their cell, replaced them with fakes, made dummies to place in their beds... And then on the night of June 11th, they slipped out through the vents and made it outside. Set across on rafts. But they... They were never seen again. Well, yeah, of Prompting course you would see them that they were only success. they were the only successful escapees in Alcatraz history. But the water is cold, and it's a big swim. But they had rafts, they said, huh? Said, but pieces of a makeshift life vest and a bundle yeah. of letters wrapped in rubber were later found, suggesting that the men may have drowned amid the stiff currents and freezing waters. Yeah, there you go. But maybe not. So but there's your not. history segment of the podcast. That's You're good. welcome. From history.com. Great. Thanks for that Wikipedia. citation. You're welcome. Um, so they didn't mention <laughs> the mine car chase. Um, yeah, where are the mine carts? I don't know. It's weird. Was there the lighthouse and the other lighthouse? Yeah, no, the lighthouse out there is, that's a real part of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, like the exteriors are, that's cool. Did you ask to go see if, if could you walk into the lighthouse? Uh, I don't remember. I, I don't, I don't remember. And, and did you see if there was like a vent thingy that was holding balls of poison oh, yeah. goo? Oh, yeah, VX gas. Yeah. Sure. Nope, I did not ask. That seemed like again, they really most failed of the, on your Well, again, here. most of the tour was on an audio cassette tape or a radio <laughs> station and then like the people that were staying around were clearly like Irritated. I don't know, it was an old guy. It seems like it was an old guy who I think liked that Eastwood movie but was like stupid rock movie. And if I worked there I'd be like, "Have you seen The Rock?" Let me tell you all the parts of that that are true. Yeah. That's what I would say too. It's like you want to see the fun. You want to see the mine cart? Okay. You want to see go. the VX gas that they stashed there? They left it there. Okay, we're going to go into the tunnels. I would be... I would, is on. If I was a tour guide there, I'd chuck one of those green balls around oh, yeah, all, all like the time, little... freak people out, drop yeah. one, be like... Oh. <laughs> be pretty good. I'd do that. Like, enjoy your job. Yeah, that's what I think. That's, yeah. I, th- I feel like... 
you know, we I haven't been in years, and maybe they are doing things like that. I hope so. Because, like, if you think about, like, you know, like, it's at Disney World now in Disneyland, they've got, like, Star Wars things where they, like, hire stormtroopers to be dicks to you in line. Yes! So I feel like maybe that's not a big stretch to, to say that you would... You know, get a lot of people accidentally dropping VX gas balls yeah. in the... I feel like... I think that it's Alcatraz is a national park mm-hmm. now, is what I read on History.com. And I feel like the national park has, has grown a sense of humor in the last couple of years, and I feel like they could probably explore that and lean into it. Gotcha. If you work at the national park of Alcatraz and yeah. are listening, you just let us know. Yeah. Well, we're happy to share some ideas. Okay, so all this to set up the question I have for you next. Oh. Uh, did you like this movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Obviously. <laughs> this is a great movie. It's got all the things that I like in a movie. Okay. It's got action. Yeah. It it does not have annoying fucking subplot of romance. It kind of does with Nick Cage's uh, pregnant girlfriend. Whoa, but not a nice... marriage police. Pull over. Whoa. But not enough to just be obnoxious. <laughs> so it's like just an action movie. Just the beginning. And then it has... It has a car chase. It does. We'll and talk I feel about like that. in the 90s, I was in, in 2000s, my affinity for action movies was like, there has to be a car chase. Yeah. There's a car chase in this. Yeah. There's shooting. Mm-hmm. There's a good guy and a bad guy. <laughs> yep. This has all the things I like. It's got all the things you like. Okay. Well, I'm going to break down a little bit for you and ask you, let's talk a little bit about our bad guy, which is kind of an interesting uh, character. Number one, it's it's Ed Harris, big name. Uh, a lot of acting clout, right? And it's also like we're getting this storyline where we're like, hey, he might have a point kind of villain, yeah. which is good, but also like, eh, this guy's a domestic terrorist. <laughs> yeah. I, I am curious what, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-old version of me thought of that. Yeah. If I was like paying attention enough to care um, versus me now as an adult. It is does set up a good dynamic. So you know he's a general, retired general. He's got a lot. When his first, he's in the opening scene, he's got a lot like of metal 80, on his things. Eighty thousand medals. This movie opens up in montage of just like him talking about like things, discretions that have happened in the military that he's seen, and he's had enough. His wife is dead. Uh, she was in the service because they're in a military uh, cemetery. He leaves one of his hundred thousand medals on the on the uh, on gravestone. Her, yeah. And yeah, so I mean, he's got like this, uh, this point he wants to make. And, um, you get the sense throughout the movie that he doesn't really want to do the things that he's threatening. He doesn't want to kill people and he doesn't want to kill a bunch of innocent people. Which is a weird dynamic because people are getting killed immediately. (laughs) Like they have an op to go steal these missile things and one of his own guys gets his face boiled off right there. I mean, they, Mm -hmm. they're using bean, they're using like darts and bean bun, bean bag guns to knock people out. But like one guy gets hit with a bean bag and flies out of a freaking tie. Like that guy's dead. They face blinded on cement. There's a line later that's like brutal but non lethal force. They make a comment about, but, um, but yeah, it does. So I mean, it is a little bit weird because, like, yes, he's has this thing that he's going for, but I don't, I don't. He, he's never really sympathetic. I feel like no, you're that's just, this is nuts. This is obviously not the way that you want to make this your point. This is not the way to do it. Um, but it does set up like what ultimately comes like uh, this conflict within his own squad, right? And I do like some of the choices that he makes. Like, yeah, it's a good performance, and that he's. He's having to kind of quell these other, like, vicious... Because, listen, you hire... You, the second you hire uh, guys... Unknowns. Unknowns to become in... know them. They're not military... They're not the military anymore. You're saying you're yeah. hired... One of the, Tony Todd says, is like, hey, no, the second I walked out of here, I walked in here, 
I and we took hostages. I'm not a member of this. Like I'm a he like they acknowledge themselves as terrorists and I'm like a mercenary. I'm a mercenary. I get and paid. I need to get fucking paid. Yeah. I don't. I'm not a fucking soldier. And now. that's kind of a problem. Um. Yeah. You know what's weird is like for for all of Michael Bay over his career is just like fetishizing of military. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is especially like here's a bunch of military people who have gone bad. And here's the good ones, and they all get massacred. <laughs> and the only people who who get through this thing are like the British agent and the FBI guy who has no field experience. Yeah, the like, scientist. Yeah. Every, all the military guys are bad, or like they're not incompetent, but they get blown away awfully quickly once mm-hmm. they get to the island, right? But anyway, I mean, it, it does help to have Ed Harris as uh, I think that that's half the battle, right? If you're gonna make a big dumb action movie you need to have a villain that you can that you can at least like he holds the scene like he's commanding the screen you know what i mean and he's not just a big giant slime ball no ed harris is likable i think they're kind of use yeah they're using some of that to kind of just keep it enough to be like oh is he really gonna do this thing but then he's gonna there's this internal conflict with these other guys right because like david morris is with him but then like the tony todd crew are all these guys who are uh, bizarrely, like, ready to blow up half a city. I don't know why they're so excited about this, because there's a point where they're clearly not going to get any money, but they're still just like, we have to set this rocket off. It's like, well, do you? Because it seems like... Uh... They're very excited to to have violence. Yeah, because you're not going to get your money. Like, so what are you killing 80,000 people for? Oh, for fun. Seems weird. Seems weird. It, Although... it seems like a minor comment on the... I don't... I, well, I want to be careful with what I say, but, like the brainwashing or the like the training that can happen that gets a person in a mindset of like dehumanizing violence so then again that's what's weird about what we know about michael bay who's like Mm -hmm. super pro military at least in terms of just like other depictions like it's not his script and so maybe that's part of it but it's very that's very like anti like anti-military in a lot of ways right and not 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 intentionally or purposefully but just like in the way that like all the bad guys are ex-military people and all the good guys who are military people get killed immediately immediately (laughs) and the redeeming bad guys may not and, uh, don't survive. And the F- the head of the FBI is a slime ball who breaks th- the promise with Sean Connery. Like the only guy that in the FBI that's okay is William Forsythe, but he looks like a dick, so that doesn't help. And then Nick Cage, mm-hmm. but he's a field he's not a field guy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very strange. Um okay. So Ed Harris is good, but really like what this movie is is uh, a one two punch of Cage and Connery. Oh my god, yeah. Connery takes a little bit to get into it. It's about like 20, 25 minutes, but um, Cage we get pretty quickly. Um, it's th- Their styles are so different, and their personalities of their characters are so right. different. It's bizarre to watch. I Well, yeah. So Sean Connery's playing hyper cool. Like, he he's just like bringing that... He's elevating the material, you know what I mean? He's just like the stalwart actor but you know he's when you get like that accent and he goes like oh i knew it was you you piece of shit like the way he says piece of shit like fucking you're a fucking idiot it's just like these things you don't hear from sean connery you're just like oh i like that you're saying those words Mm -hmm. and then you've got nicholas cage who you gotta remember like has won an oscar relatively soon before this movie comes out right he's for what uh leaving las vegas it's like 95 Okay. Yeah, so he is writing that, right? Like, he this is he gets signed for... I'm sure he got paid money here. But, like, what I love about Nicolas Cage, and 
We haven't talked about because we haven't done like I can't remember have we done like another like main Nicolas Cage movie on this podcast. Like spoiler alert, he's one of my favorite actors, and he still is one of my favorite actors, even though like his career is a big mix of like straight to video things now. But what I appreciate appreciated about him, it, we talked about this I think last episode about Willy's Wonderland. Like even in that stuff, he generally commits to it, and I appreciate that. Or there's always something. Mm-hmm. And my God, like. The, the approach he has for this movie and the way he delivers dialogue is fantastic. <laughs> and it's like he'll start saying something in a normal voice and then he'll just ramp it up into Nick Cage stuff. It is. He's he's leaning into the fact that he's like a nerd, like he's not a field guy, he's got to be incompetent, but then like, which makes all the like actual action stuff he has to do kind of satisfying. Like mm-hmm. he, he has to kind of fake his way through it and mm-hmm. it's kind of appealing and it's charming and you're just rooting for him. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I love every line of dialogue he has in this movie. It's just so... Other than uh, marriage police pullover, which is not a great line. What? <laughs> it's great. But, like, he's also a character who doesn't like to swear in a movie where everybody swears. I did not notice that. Well, yeah, he, like, he gets tough by saying, like, at one point when, um, and the, at the hotel when he chucks John, when Connery chucks John Spencer over the balcony, mm-hmm. he's like, freeze, mister! Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> kind then, of a goober, but, yeah. like, yeah. And then when he, and he stops him later, uh, he goes, hey, let's stop with the chit-chat a-hole! <laughs> like, he says a-hole instead of asshole. And, um, god, there's so, there's a few other ones. Freeze, sucker! And you told me that throw down <laughs> that when you were watching it, you thought that that was a changed line because of. Oh no, that was William Forsythe. He oh, okay. calls in one of the early scenes where they're planning the oper- operation. Forsythe's playing like the guy. He's like the local field office F guy. He's under John Spencer, and he's kind of leading Nick Cage a little Mm -hmm. bit and he like calls Sean Connery's character a piece of work Mm -hmm. and it's so bizarre because I when I think I watched this movie partially on TV last time I was like oh man that's a really awkward uh, voice dub for piece of work because it's like so much swearing and like cocksucker and all these other words in here Mm -hmm. that like it's just so so weird that he calls him like a piece of work it's like oh wow (laughs) but that wasn't even Nick Cage but Nicolas Cage he doesn't swear much in there which I I just I, I love he, everything about it is is so good. Um, there oh, there's there's so many, but like we'll just talk about it now because it's like yeah, it. some of the lines are amazing. Um, he gets stopped at one point when I mean he gets caught so many times and they get Who attacked. Nick Cage. Yeah. They get I mean there's several instances where they get caught and stuff like that. And I think it's Steve Harris from like the practice who's like boss is not gonna he's gonna take pleasure in gutting you boy. And then, like, later when they're in the cell, he's just laying on the bottom. He says, I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. He says it, like, eight times in a row. Just twice. I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. Boy. He's like, what's wrong with these people? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And then uh, toward the end, he's fighting one of the last guys, and he goes, glass or plastic? He's like, what? Glass or plastic? Glass or plastic? Because if if one of these things goes off, you're either going to end up in a plastic bag or a glass jar. It's amazing. <laughs> it's in, it's intense. And according to Michael Bay, and, and I, I am curious about this, uh-huh. the script was, this is just from IMDb, the script was much more straight and serious than the final movie. Most of the humorous moments and lines were improvised. Like, 
is glass or plastic an improvised? Is him like, like, (laughs) is him like, boy, repeating the Oh, and he's just singing the dialogue. Yeah, Yeah. he's repeating a dialogue line. I want to know all the things that were improvised. I think so, because like some of the (laughs) dialogue, I mean, this is a script that must have like multiple colors. You know how uh, different uh, drafts get different color pages, right? uh There's got to be a hundred, but some of these lines, like I, we're making fun of the uh, marriage police. That does sound like that seems like an improv, but like there's other like quips that just don't like land. Like when they're get, first getting to the rock and Sean Connery's about to go through the furnace fire trap, uh-huh. he, he's like, "What are you gonna do? You're gonna be there?" And he's like, "This is what he says." He goes, "Have a nice day." Like what? <laughs> okay. And then he opens the door after they think, like, oh, he fucked us. He opens, he goes, welcome to The Rock, which is in the trailer oh, a thousand times. Oh, timeless. So you get like that, and then have a nice day. Like, okay, thanks for having a nice day. It does say much of Nicholas's dialogue, Nick Cage's dialogue was ad-libbed, including the... Uh, Rocket Man? Zeus's butthole line. Oh, yeah. What name of... Oh, yeah, it, I wrote it down. You did? <laughs> of course I did. Which Michael Bay wanted to cut, but Cage insisted on having. The name of Zeus's butthole. He gets really mad and says, Zeus's butthole! <laughs> Just like that. I can't remember the exact... Uh... And it was Nick Cage's idea that his character would not swear. Yeah, so I love smart. it. You're so smart. His euphemisms include gee whiz. Yeah, he says gee whiz. Yep. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, Zeus's butthole is from is right after the I'll take pleasure in gutting you stuff. That's in the same stuff. Um, and then... Um, oh, gosh. What was I going to say? The, uh, 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 the Rocket Man thing at the end like he's got to go get the last rocket and he's fighting off the who's really good uh yeah, um yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know this actor's name but like the it's the it's tony todd and this other guy who were like the real real bad guys that end the movie and he's got this goofy long hair and he just looks like a fucking asshole mm-hmm. like that he must have had he's probably in a hundred movies where he's just playing a fucking probably. asshole yeah. and he yells like one like i always remember that's <laughs> the things i remember about this movie uh, like I know, like the like I said, oh well, why not? When he drives the car through the building, I know that line. But also, I used to like <laughs> walk around doing when I ever had to count one, two, three. I would count like this guy throws a grenade what? at the end of the movie. He goes one, two, three. <laughs> You're so weird, Tyler. Yeah, that's how he throws the grenades at Sean Connery, and he breaks out of the, it goes into the bathtub because I don't know it's just a weird way of doing it Jesus said. but yeah so at the end he's like he's facing off against Tony Todd and he's like hey I like music what kind of music do you like do you like Elton John he's like I don't like that soft shit mm-hmm. and he's like oh well do you like Rocket Man you must like Rocket Man because it's you you're the Rocket Man you're the Rocket and he man. shoots a rocket and he <laughs> propels him out the window and he gets impaled oh my god that's so dumb, but because it's Nicolas Cage and he's like, that's like that, what, that's what that character would try to do for like a one liner at that moment. It's amazing. <laughs> Jesus, Tyler. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. We're jumping all over. Well, yeah, it's a but fun movie. What I wanted to also say was a couple different things. Like, so I mentioned the score, right? Mm-hmm. That I had on compact disc. What's so funny about this particular score is like, it's in that first scene too, where they're stealing Ed Harris and his crew are stealing the things. The tempo of this soundtrack of the score changes all the time. It goes, it goes, and then it goes, and then it changes to like another different speed, right? Like in the middle, like it'll go from that to like another, totally different tempo um and go it goes back and forth like and this is the thing that he does in like armageddon mm-hmm. and like a couple of these other like action movies where it's just like it's like the it's like three hooks but they just all blended together and it's relentless mm-hmm. it's so it's like if you hear it outside of the movie it's like jesus like 
pick a lane with your music. Pick a lane. Calm <laughs> like, down. But like that's the main hook is what I just did. But then it'll it'll change to like another um another like kind of similar hook, but it's like doesn't match the other one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I tar- I'm not a music guy, but it's very. Uh, I mean, not you know in that I don't really understand like what it's doing. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure there might be a different way than say that than like the tempo changes. I don't know. It's a different meter. It's something. <laughs> I don't have no idea. But anyway, it's very manic and it just fits the Michael Bay like hyper style. I didn't notice that as much. What I did notice is when the music started sounding like Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, there's a little bit of that. Well, Hans Summer ended up doing that later. So these guys always just kind of use a lot and of the same things. And then there's the scene at the end Do-do-do-do. where it's like, we're going to play some Scottishy music, and it sounds like the Titanic. But this came out before Titanic. I so. know. So we've got some... And isn't Titanic James Horner? Yeah. But it's so. got that, like, Celtic... Yeah, Scottish Irish. Well, you're thinking what you're. I I think what you're saying is like the the people would know it as like the little under the flute uh, of like mm-hmm. the Celine Dion song. Yes. Like the heart will go on the little yes. flute, right? The little music. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other thing about this movie is that it <laughs> it's like when they greenlit it and Michael Bay got it and it's just like okay, it's a movie where uh, people get taken hostage at the rock and we got to infiltrate it and save it. And they're just like it takes about like thirty thirty pages to get us to the rock. And he's like, nope. Nope, we gotta have uh, three action scenes mm-hmm. before we get to that. And we do. We get this bombastic, quick, like, uh, stealing of the rockets immediately where someone gets his face boiled off. Mm-hmm. Then we have to introduce Nicolas Cage, and after just oh, knowing him for two minutes as a guy, he, him and Todd Luizzo, who's like a, a guy who he'll go, he'll be in like high fidelity and stuff like that later on, um, they have to go into a lab and they open a box. Well, it turns out there's gas in the box and we have to have this like diffusion scene where they're getting their fit, their, their it's suits so are cool, melting. Though. It's just like this, like, okay, action scene number two. It's like 10 minutes of the movie, had two action scenes. I, totally I, different action scenes. I think it's important because they needed a scene that could Shows, establish yeah. how great he was. He's great at this. He knows what he's doing when it comes to handling pressure, chemicals. Keeps it cool. Right. So it's cool, but it's just mm-hmm. like, God, this movie doesn't quit. And then I think the most obvious one that I would, I don't know this. I might be making this up, but it just definitely seems like the car chase in this movie feels like, we need another action scene before we get to The Rock. Seems like there's too much time between when we introduce Nicolas Cage yep. to when we get on the get on the helicopter and jump in the water. Yeah. What can we do? I don't know, it's San Francisco, I better do a car chase. Yeah. And that's what they do. Um, Random. Mm-hmm. Do you know what song was playing when Nick Cage and his girlfriend were banging on the rooftop? No. Rocket Man. Oh, is it? Oh. I didn't hear that, really. Yeah. They paid for that, and I could barely hear it? Uh, yeah, it, I heard it when it was playing. Wow, I can't believe that. Because yeah. <laughs> it is funny? barely... I've seen this movie a lot of times, I've not... And I love that song, uh, so that's weird to me that I didn't uh, Do we need to rewind it and go watch it? Maybe. Um, is that true? Where'd you read that from? IMDb. Oh, was it, is it one of those facts? One of those little... Uh, sometimes those aren't always accurate. <laughs> no, I think it's right, though. Okay. Um, well, the car chase is um, God. Probably, Fantastic. it seems like it's where most of this money was spent, right? Oh, oh, because it's it's so much. Yeah, it's real a lot. Stuff. And it, what I love about this movie is that there is a little bit of CGI with the planes at the end, but for the most part, this motherfucking thing is stunts, stunt people, practical effects, practical explosions, and obviously, this is just like a huge homage to Bullet, the Steve McQueen chase through San Francisco. 
and that's fine. Like, who cares? Like, mm-hmm. that's it's fun. There's hills. We're jumping hills. There's cop cars. But I mean, just the amount of shit that we're like crashing into. It's comical. We've got people in wheelchairs crossing the street. Oh my god. We got water trucks. An old even, lady like, in a walker. Water trucks that are just like going a through the intersection incredibly coolers. slow. Uh. uh a tr- the, and of course, the trolley has to come into play here, where it literally gets blown out of, in, into the sky. Mm-hmm. And I, that could have been a model, I don't know, but it's very it impressive awesome. looking. It gets thrown in the sky. He drives through a building, crashes through the glass. Uh, I mean, they're jumping several cars. It's uh, it's wild. It's just insane. Um, and it's just like a thing that they go do so Sean Connery can go meet his uh, estranged, unknown daughter for like a scene that doesn't really even matter. It does. It <laughs> and he immediately turns himself in once Nicolas Cage like shows that he's like on his side by like yeah. not embarrassing him and saying like all oh, the the cops are going after him. It is a little weird that Nick Cage is like uh, nervous about going on this mission when he just like is the baller who's like the guy who actually kept up with him during the the car chase. And like drove the shit out of that Ferrari, like through a building. Like, it's like it's like a tactical thing, like guns, sure. and he's got no weapons. I mean, it's screaming. it's just it's a little inconsistent how much of a badass he is behind the wheel of this Ferrari, um, just spinning all over the place. He's kind of like awkward a little bit at the beginning, just trying to manage the turns, but then just does all sorts of shit. Um, it's great. Um, I already said the uh, great uh, Connery line at the beginning of this uh, podcast. Where he gets a phone call from the Humvee owner. He goes, I'm only borrowing your Humvee. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize is that that person that uh, owned the Humvee was uh, a pol- politician, kind of politician, Steve Bannon. It certainly looks like him. It looked like Steve Bannon. I don't, it probably wasn't Steve Bannon, but man, that guy looked like Steve Bannon. It certainly looks like him. And the guy who gets his car stolen by Sean, Sir Sean Connery is the same guy who got his car stolen by Ed Harris in National Treasure book of secrets oh i appreciate that i don't remember a single thing about the second national treasure movie so i remember the first national treasure movie but i don't remember anything about that second one so i don't know anything about that but i like that that's a thing that they brought back yeah so the humvee guy's great um but then it's capped off by this glorious uh, sequence where nicholas cage <laughs> yes. his 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 uh, airbag explodes he's got to like blow that off and he has to get out of the way of the trolley that's careening down toward mm-hmm. him he gets out of the way just in time, and just the the Ferrari gets just completely destroyed. Like trash compacted, smashed up. Like there's no Ferrari like, left. Yeah, and they just they fucked up a Ferrari. Uh, uh-huh. Just gave it away a little bit, but uh, like for, for real, like they just destroyed this car, which is awesome. And then this guy, this like surfer looking dude, like Cato Kalen, rolls up on a mi- motorbike. He's like, "Oh, dude, you just fucked up your Ferrari," which is a great line. Yep. But then Nicolas Cage goes, "It's not mine." And then they just laugh. And then the guy laughs. The guy laughs. <laughs> And then he and then Nick Gage shoves him off the bike violently and steals the bike. Yes, it's amazing. It's just so it's so amazing Nicholas Cage moment, and uh, I just love how the kid laughs and then he just shoves him off the bike. Violently shoves him and steals his bike, and then he has a phone conversation while he's on the on the motorbike, uh, while he's chasing after uh, Connery. Um, so funny. I mean, honestly, I, I think the first half of this movie is maybe a little bit better than the second half unfortunately. Maybe that's why I remember the them going in the water to yeah. the, so I'm like, oh, this is like the end of the first part of the movie. It is. And it, it 
because I like like when they first get Connery out and he's not playing hardball. He's you know he's playing hardball with them and they send Nicholas Cage in to negotiate with them and he's just like hi, oh hello, <laughs> and he's just like giving him everything he wants. He's like oh yeah, get him a coffee, get him a coffee. I like oh, that scene quite off? a bit. I like in the early stages where we get Philip Baker Hall, who's like not credited, uh, who is just like one of the guys in the uh, war room while they're figuring out what to do, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, you know. He's the only, and then he has this little quick little scene where he's just saying like, to John Spencer, "Is like, ah, yeah, I, we, this guy exists. You know, this guy that we took. He's the guy who escaped from L.A. or not L.A. That's another thing. Uh, escaped from Alcatraz, and he's like, he's an old man now. I have, he's just like my age. He has to get up three times just to take a piss. I remember that line a lot too because it was mm-hmm. Philip Baker Hall, and I was like, mm-hmm. and then I forget like he's not even really in this movie. He's just mm-hmm. in it for that like one scene. He yeah. like show, he's sitting in the scene and another another one later, but that's yeah. it. I love how there's just like every person in this movie is somebody." But no women. And all the minorities, there's no minorities unless they are bad guys or if they're just uh, quippy tourists or someone that gets one line in the uh, in the side. There's no Asian minorities. There's a, a handful of black characters. Yeah, but they're just like, yeah. I mean, there's they're, the trolley they're, driver and then like the bad, the bad ex- The bad guys. Yeah. Steve Harris and Tony Todd and yeah. I know. So that's, that's Michael that's Bay. the that, 90s. Yeah, it's the 90s Michael Bay. Whatever. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I like all that stuff. And then... What I did appreciate about the second half this time is that, you know, shit gets real fast. I mean, like we said, like they get, they go to the boiler room, they get tipped off and they all get blown away. Ed Harris kind of tries to, he's not the one who like orders it, but then like sticks to his guns when he's talking to him. He's like, look what you made me do or whatever. Um, but it was, it's these bad guys that ended up shooting early and yep, killing them, right? And he kept saying cease fire, but they couldn't hear him over. But what I appreciated about this movie or this viewing more this time was just like the, the, all the set work that they did underground. Uh, it's, I mean, none of this stuff exists, right? But mm-hmm. like, like I, we were teasing it. Like there's a, there's a part where Connery and Cage are on like a Minecraft thing, like in a Temple of Doom. Part, yeah. And they're racing down something and then they have to have a gunfight in that same area where there's like water and a little, you know, they're dodging stuff in the mine car. That's cool. Before that, when they have to first get in. You know, they go through the boiler and they're rising up out of the water and then Connery's got to do this ridiculous, like, gauntlet of fire through that thing. Um, yeah, they just keep using creative, like, creative ways to have, like, gunfights and action mm-hmm. scenes. Um, I mean, even, like, it, it gets, it, it would get repetitive if we didn't have, like, kind of colorful villains, just mm-hmm. like, they're, they're visually memorable. You got McGinley in there, who's a certain kind of way, and you've got Tony Todd, who's a certain kind of bad guy. You got the guy who liked to say, hi, sweetie. Uh, he's a guy that you remember. Like, they make the henchmen memorable, so mm-hmm. that, like, you remember what's going on when they're fighting them again later. And then they just find new locales to fight, which mm-hmm. I, I appreciate. I mean, even the one where they, um, you know, they drop that air conditioner on that guy, and, and his leg twitches, and Connery is just like, and Nicholas Cage is like, "Can you? What's going on with this leg thing? Is that a thing? Is, is that normal?" He's like, "Yeah, that happens." He's like, well, "What can you do anything about it?" He's like, "You want me to kill him again?" Ha ha ha! Violence. And then Nick Cage sasses back at him. He's like, "God damn it! I'm doing this, and you you, you need to help think, me." I don't think he says "God damn it." He refuses to swear, well, doesn't that's he? That's true. Maybe you called him an a-hole. That's I don't know. Like, hey, gee whiz, I'm I'm pretty stressed out here. I mean, this movie is silly. Obviously, like this VX gas business, the way that they're in this pearl array, it's, it's just so the stupid. ridiculous so thing. Fucking stupid. And and he has to like pull a chip out and take the whole thing out to pull the guidance chip out, right? And what I love about it is like you go, they there's like three rockets set up, and the rest of the fifteen that they took are just in this room, right? And we have a long dialogue scene about how difficult it is for him to pull the one chip out of this mm-hmm. one thing. And they get a radio, they hear the radio, 
They realize that they're in there. They cut away. And when we come back, he's but done 11 of these. And the bad guys are not just, like, casually coming. They are sprinting. Yeah. Fucking full-on sprint. <laughs> so in them. that off-screen time, he's gone from one guidance chip removed to 11, 11 or 12. And it's like, oh my... And, like, they already showed us how long it took to do it. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, well, maybe they should have just, like, not, like, said they the were coming. The timing here is a little, a little sus. And, yeah, but they, um... You know, they set up the needle thing in the beginning so that he has to, you know, obviously Nick Cage is going to have to stab a needle in his heart with the antidote. Again, I don't feel like these are real things. I don't know. They are definitely not real things. Okay, not real things. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the military would have this, you know, and if they had such a te- deadly like, thing. like, if you magically stab this syringe of, of antidote into your heart, yeah. then during the 20 seconds where everyone else's skin is boiling off, well, you'll be fine. I don't think if you, yeah, I don't think you can have exposure to, like, the actual the thing that hits he you with the He was starting gas. to, though. His hands were cramping up. Yeah, he does. He was already exposed. Oh, yeah, he was. He just his, his hands were like, and they're crunching up, and he was like, <laughs> But he does, like, shove that ball into that guy's mouth, and, like, that's what kills him, which is pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. He has a couple good, like, kills at the end there, with that plus the Rocket Man thing. I mean, he, he kind of holds its own. He also shoots that one guy in the head a bunch. At was, the minecart stuff. almost so. got Sean Connery, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he gets... He gets caught a lot, and Connery has to rescue him. But then, like, at the end, it's weird that Connery is, like, taking out one guy, like, the high sweetie guy. And then is like, he fails to get the one guy who go- then goes after Nick Cage. Nick Cage ends up being, like, the the star. Of the- I mean, he's the one who takes out the, the, main, the main crew. Because those guys all betray uh, David Morse and Ed Harris, so they get shot themselves. Uh, after they shoot a rocket, that's more, it's a little bit more CGI. They do send a rocket that seems like it's going to go to the Oakland uh, football game, but then Ed Harris uh, computes it away. So mm-hmm. and they get mad because they want to kill eighty thousand people because they're, like, they're not going to get their money. Death. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. This movie's great. I didn't think the um, again we're a little bit spoiled on action now mm. and chases and the way that we've you know I think uh, again. John Wick and Mission Impossible have made um, car chases. Like, this car chase is very heavily cut. You get a lot I of cutting. I noticing that a lot, yeah. You don't get a lot of, like, good wide angles of what's going on. Obviously, what they're doing on real streets, I get it. But, like, now we're just so spoiled with, like, here's a here's a real shot of this guy going, like, 80 miles an hour on the road. It's like, yeah. oh, that's fucking cool. The stunts have gotten That being insane. said, I, I think it's, it's, it's still very good. It's a lot of things going on. It's like the whole kitchen sink getting thrown at you. And, like is better than anything that we get in the Nick Cage, like a subsequent Brockheimer movie, which is supposed to be about car chases, which is that Gone in 60 Seconds. Like, this is a better sequence than anything in that movie. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I do. Interesting. I have a soft spot for that other one. That, that movie's not good, Gone in 60 Seconds, but because Nicolas Cage is being very weird in it, I'm like, eh, there's some things about it that Can't I like. like it. But it's not, the action in it is not particularly good. So... I would say this is the uh, the peak of um, of that. I mean, Bay does have a better car chase in his filmography in the form of Bad Boys Two, the freeway chase where they're chucking cars. Oh my god! And like bodies. Yeah, no, that well, then later in the movie they of course just destroy an entire town on a hill, but but plowing through. No, I mean, uh, was that the movie where the they're that's Bad Boys Two? Oh yeah, there's several yeah. car chases in that movie, yeah. right? But yeah, there's dead bodies. No, I don't like that. It's the first freeway chase in Bad Boys 2, which is good, and I don't like the rest of the movie. There's a whole podcast about the whole Bad Boys franchise you could listen to. Oh, okay. I should so. listen to that. Do you think this is Michael Bay's best movie? Now, we are probably going to contend, spoiler, spoiler, watch at least one more Michael Bay, Jerry Brockheimer film in our miniseries What's coming here. up next? Well, it's not going to be the next movie, but it would be soon after. 
Well, what's coming up next for us that we're going to watch? I think we're going to watch Con Air, which is Brockheimer, but not Michael Bay. And then what are we going to watch? Then we're going to go, I think, we're... Just fucking say. Probably Armageddon, Michael Bay. I mean, I I, I I don't know how to answer if this is his best until I've rewatched. So you're a Pearl Harbor fan? <laughs> yes, this is my favorite movie ever. <laughs> you're a Pearl Harbor fan. I mean, I... You do I, like I, that first Transformers. See, that's not Brockheimer. That's when Spielberg is I do have a big him. soft spot for Armageddon. You do. It was a memorable movie-going experience sure. for me. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that later this summer. I fell in love with Ben Affleck. I fell in love with Liv Tyler. Yep. <laughs> I I worry how you're going to feel about their scenes in particular when you watch this movie again, but... Because uh, <laughs> it's not great. Those scenes, not great. I will be the judge of that. Okay. So, what we'll do is we'll watch Armageddon, and then we'll watch the commentary where Ben Affleck is kind of dogging on the movie a little bit. Ooh, okay. He likes the movie, but he was like, uh, you know, he was clearly drunk when he recorded the, uh, <laughs> when he did some of the commentary for it, which isn't fun. I also really like Con Air, though. Con Air is not, uh, is, is a Jerry Bronkheimer film, but not a Michael Bay film. So, I think The Rock is Michael Bay's best movie. Um, it's probably not even close. Armageddon might be the second one, but... I mean, again, I don't really like any of his output past. I don't know. I think that first Transformer movie so is mean. fine. You're so mean, Tyler. It's fine. Oh yeah, your your favorite one is Six Underground, the Netflix original Michael Bay film, Six Underground. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> the one with Ryan Reynolds that we turned on for five minutes. We're like, I don't think we can do this. <laughs> we turned it off. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't think we can do this. <laughs> I never like, even eh, turn it off. <laughs> it's like you get to a point in your life where you have to be comfortable saying no. Yeah. And I said no to that. I movie. don't think we can do this. Is what you, I'm pretty sure your words were. Yeah. I don't think we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and you like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just wasn't feeling it. Nope. I think that we probably made a good decision judging what others have said. But if if I I feel like if it if. I didn't have the remote. You probably would have kept watching it because you tend to like finish movies. I do you start. finish things. Yeah, that's weird. I and mean, I watched that whole Infinite movie with Mark Wahlberg, even yeah. though like or I didn't like, like two minutes mm, of it. Mm, I'm good. Yeah, so. and I will watch terrible TV, so I don't understand what psychologically is happening there for me. I I don't know. I just I feel like I and what's happening psychological for me? Like, I think the what for me it started as like, well, I'm going to review it, so I need to watch the whole thing. Yeah. But like the vast majority of films that I watch, I'm not reviewing. Yeah. So like, so why am I? Why am I finishing? It's just a weird, it's a weird, weird thing. Now there was a, there have been situations where like, for example, I went to see Suicide Squad in the theater, and I needed to take a 15 minute walk in the middle of it because I was like, I couldn't handle that shit for the whole duration. I was like, I got to take a break from this. That's kind of funny. And then I came back. I was like, all right, I guess I can tolerate the rest of this, but I don't like it. I had a similar experience one time with uh, with Mama Mia. Yeah. <laughs> we like went for like a bachelorette party and like the girls were like singing along and I was like, fuck my life. So then I went to the bathroom and I texted you and called you and I was like, oh my God. I have a question. Yes. Unrelated to The Rock. Okay. Mama Mia. Knowing what we know now about me and mu- musicals. Now, again, I'm a little bit weird. I like some, don't like others, right? I did watch Mama Mia later. I didn't go to the theater to mm-hmm. see it when you did. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering uh-huh. if you should if watch a, it again. If A, I would like it. Yeah. B, if that would be a no, that's like a, that's a, 
that's a deal breaker for you if I did. <laughs> you know what? And would I be? Okay. It, would my impression be colored by the fact that you did not enjoy that experience so much? I have all the answers. I've not seen the second one either. A, you probably would like it. B, I I would not disown you for it. It's possible that I might also like it more than I did then. We know that Pierce Brosnan can't sing, whatever. But that's, see, like, that doesn't... I think part of the problem was, like, I was with a bunch of women that I didn't totally like. Or no, He didn't know them very well, Or like them. The ones I did know I didn't really like. Uh, and they were, like, singing along. And, and you I was were just not like, into that. oh, God, this you, is awful. Yeah, I get that. Um, like, just, like, what, what? You're singing out loud in a fucking movie theater? Yeah. What the fuck? It's weird. Weird. So, I don't know. I I would be curious to give it another shot. I feel like I've watched it one and a, and a half times. I don't like the song Mamma Mia, though, so that's a problem. Mamma Mia. Yeah. And, that's and, the and, one I don't and, like. And I, and I actually don't know if I actually like the premise of the movie and the love story. And I, I just, I feel like, I feel like I'm annoyed by the whole thing. So, please, actually, let's watch it again together so I can explore all the Because then feelings. I want to watch, I don't think I, I don't, I didn't watch the second one, which people like too. They like the second one. Now I've also heard weird things where people like, do not like the first one and then like the second one, which I find impossible. Okay, Cause so I'm just like, how is that possible? Aren't they the same? To do list. We have to watch both. Okay. Okay. But this is the end of the podcast <laughs> on the rock. <laughs> yep. What <laughs> 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 you do? Thanks for listening. Um, that's all I have for you. Do you have anything Tyler? No, I already said all the lines. For the you movie. already said all the lines. Oh, sorry, though. I'm only borrowing. How about we cut the chit chat a hole? Is that what he says? He says that after he picks up. How about we Connor? cut the chit chat a hole? What's interesting about Nick Cage is is the inflection of the tone of his voice when he finishes sentences. Instead of going down, he often finishes them up, but like not in a question way, but no. like in a weird hyper. I mean, there are, there are a lot of Nick Cage movies that we can do for this podcast. We will eventually get to the the crown jewel of that, which is, I think, Vampire's Kiss, yes, 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 which is yes. just the apex of Nicolas Cage being weird Nicolas Cage. Yes. Um, so, we, I mean, it'll happen eventually. I think, but I like I think a good thing that happened in your life was me finding and us watching Vampire's Kiss because I, in that movie experience, fell in love with him, which you had already fallen in love with. I already, He yeah, was I already your Cage. dude. Yeah. But after that movie, I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. No. I mean, I knew who Nick Cage was. And you got that I because you found him. a $2 DVD of Vampire's Cast at a Big Lots. Big Lots, $2. And I was like, well, I've never seen this, but it's $2. And I know Tyler likes Nick Cage. And I had never seen it at that point. Unfortunately, after this run of action movies, he, that's kind of like maybe the worst part of his career in terms of just like some of the lame action movies he made right after yeah, once the Face Off. And, yeah, those aren't great. But, you know, he's kind of trying and I appreciate it. I always appreciate it. voice goes really high because, you know, it's a really shitty movie. I, I'm the ghost rider. Love okay. It. Well, this has been another fun, fantastic episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. Thank you for listening, and we will talk at you another movie. You're pointing at me. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. <laughs> I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. Boy.